Chapter six of Barry Blake of the Flying Fortress by Gaylord Dubois. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six Submarines to the Right. A cracked cylinder was Fred Marmon's verdict the minute he saw the oil spray on the window. How near are we to landing, navigator? Less than an hour, Lieutenant Levitt answered, provided there's enough ceiling under those clouds. Oh, I think there will be, Captain O'Grady told them. See, there's a break in the overcast, dead ahead. We'll go downstairs for a look. Taking over the controls, he nosed the rosy downward through the black hole in the clouds. A moment later, Barry could see moonlight glinting on the wave crests. At a thousand feet, the fortress leveled out. Above her, the cloud scruff was breaking up rapidly. Got that radio damage located yet, Babbitt? O'Grady asked through the interphone. We really ought to let Trinidad know that we're on our way in, so they won't be throwing up a lot of flack at us. I'll have the trouble fixed in about five minutes, sir, Soapy replied. Good thing we have plenty of spare parts. What that freak lightning bolt did to us was a caution. Just ahead, a dark landmass rose out of the sea. That's the upper jaw of the dragon's mouth, O'Grady remarked. Trinidad is just beyond. I'm going upstairs again until Soapy gets our radio working. The big bomber nosed sharply upward. For a few moments she clawed her way in almost pitch darkness through a cloud. Then the moonlight shone clear through the windows. Suddenly a shaft of brilliant light burst through a rent in the scuff below them. Other searchlights stabbed upward. A sharp detonation jarred the fortress. Anti-aircraft shell! grunted rosie's old man evidently they don't like unidentified planes cruising over the airfield we'd better spin off wham blam two shells still closer than the first made the big plane rock tex o'grady pulled the stick back between his knees and gave the engine full throttle guess those hombres mean business blake he chuckled how do you like being under fire for the first time i don't know replied barry with a forced grin somehow it doesn't seem quite real being shot at by your own ground forces the trouble is that those shells would hurt just as much as jap flack radio's okay sir came soapy babbitt's voice what'll i send identification signals first the old man replied explain what happened to our radio and lights then tell him to switch on the floodlights so we can land before the oil from that cracked engine cylinder drowns us soapy was still talking into his radio when the searchlights behind them switched off o'grady nosed down in a moment floodlights lighted up the field a few miles distant the rosy landed lightly for all her massiveness and braked to a smooth stop yahoo me for some hot copy whooped her old man reaching for the entrance hatch last man to the office buys for the whole bunch six days were spent in trinidad replacing the cracked cylinder and repairing the lightning's damage to the electrical system on the seventh day rosie hopped off on her long trip across the atlantic to freetown africa this time she carried a few bombs it was sergeant hale's hope that they might sight a nazi u-boat on the crossing the chance of course was one in a million however watching for a target would help to dispel the monotony of the trip the weather was perfect not a single bump in the air with george the automatic gyro taking care of their flying the pilots had little to do by turns they napped lunched listened to the radio played games with the others of the crew 
even fred marmon had a soft nap for rosy's hungry quadruplets were sucking their gas without a whimper only sergeant hale the bombardier refused to join his crewmates in killing time stretched at full length in the plane's transparent nose he stared fixedly at the sea danny is a born hunter the old man observed reckon he learned his patience from the texas apaches they'll lie ten hours in one spot without moving waiting for a deer to pass a runway they were just six hours out from trinidad when hale gave a bellow of discovery gazing down and ahead barry saw a convoy of twenty merchant ships escorted by two destroyers and three corvettes the intensified nazi submarine attacks had made heavy protection necessary he reasoned we'll go down and say hello to them said the captain fastening his safety belt maybe it will cheer them up to see sweet rosie o'grady dropping them a curtsy even if she can't stick around with engines throttled down the bomber dropped toward the crawling convoy fascinated barry blake watched the toy-like ships grow larger now he could make out the british flags and the tiny figures of the anti-aircraft gun crews in their tin nests on the superstructures i hope no cockeyed gunner takes us for an enemy and cuts loose he thought that wouldn't be any fun at all submarines to the right yelled sergeant danny hale i can see their shadows just under the surface captain and look they've just fired two torpedoes let's smash em you bet your sweet neck we will answered the old man take over the throttles blake watch your rpm we'll give hale a target he can't miss sergeant babbitt signal the convoy that we're not bombing them the fortress leveled out at five hundred feet glancing down barry saw the deck of a freighter immediately beneath him he could almost catch the expressions on the upturned faces of her crew his eyes came back to his instruments and clung to them bombs away yelled hale's voice in the interphone give me a run at the other one captain whoom boom as the fortress zoomed sharply the two bomb explosions buffeted her she staggered gained altitude banked and turned wham a torpedo had struck flame blossomed from the sides of the freighter another ship was dodging the second tin fish searching the water for the submarine shadow barry spotted it but it looked misshapen seen through the spreading ring of the bomb burst then he found the other it was less distinct evidently diving at top speed that was the next target between it and the convoy a destroyer was circling like an excited hound she was waiting barry realized for rosie's next run the corvettes were threading their way through the mass of slower freighters to be in at the kill steady blake here we go again warned captain o'grady if that hun is too deep for our bombs to hurt him the explosion will spot his dive for the destroyer her depth charges will get him for sure Whoom, boom the rosy second run was still lower the explosions made her aluminum skin crackle like an empty oil can suddenly barry glimpsed the mast of a freighter spearing up at the bomber's nose he gave her full throttle the mast flashed beneath seemingly within mere inches of clearance upstairs again the fortress's crew had a grandstand view of the submarine's finish the destroyer raced toward the mark left by rosie's last bombs she dumped a depth charge off her stern her y guns pitched two more ash cans bracketing the spot 
a fourth and last depth charge completed the square behind her the corvettes darted to the oil slick that now spread over sergeant hale's first target and dropped two more charges for good measure pilot from radio man soapy babbitt's voice crackled on the interphone the destroyer's commander sends us his congratulations and thanks he thinks we bagged the second sub too wishes we could stay with him for the rest of the voyage i reckon he's tellin the truth chuckled rosy's old man those undersea wolves have been hanging right in the heels of every convoy lately they hunt in packs we'll just swing around the outskirts of this floating freight train and see if danny hale can spot any more suspicious shadows the fortress banked slightly in a slow turn describing a twenty-mile circle around the convoy as she swung back again barry could see the result of one torpedo hit the freighter had been struck on the starboard side near the bow she was slightly down by the head smoke was still rising from her forecastle but she still kept her place in line her lifeboats were in place with nobody near them evidently her crew had no other thought than to take her to port there's the second oil slip captain hale called we got both those u-boats yip yip yippee as the bombardier's coyote howl shrilled in his earphones barry blake laughed outright like every man on board he felt pretty cocky already their ship had been under fire now she had drawn first blood sinking at least one enemy submarine without help the world was their oyster waiting to be cracked wide open when they reached the battlefront with a final waggle of their broad wings sweet rosie o'grady turned her back on the convoy and headed eastward on her course a chorus of grateful whistles followed her owing to the thunder of her own engines her crew could not hear the freighter's salutes but tony romani in the tail turret reported seeing the puffs of white steam the sinking of the subs provided conversation to last barry and his companions for most of the trip they were still comparing notes when the sun set that put an end to sergeant hale's sea-gazing supper was supplied from thermos jugs and a box of sandwiches afterwards curly levitt took a fix from the stars and made a slight correction of their compass course the engines were behaving so beautifully that the red-headed nurse fred began to be bored he roamed from tail turret to cockpit playing small practical jokes on everyone till the old man told him to spin off by midnight everyone but captain o'grady was dozing his co-pilot was sound asleep in his seat he was waked by the first red beams of the sun rising over africa that was another thrill for barry blake watching the shoreline of a foreign continent loom up out of the horizon he slapped on his earphones in time to hear curly levitt giving the old man another change of course this time to the north a few minutes later the deep harbor of freetown took shape beneath them soapy babbitt contacting the raf field received permission to come in and land the first of their long transoceanic hops was safely ended End of chapter 6